Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Fly ball onto the track. At the wall. It's gone. Home run. Turns on a ball. Deep right field. And what a game. What a moment. What is up, everybody? Welcome into this episode of Flippin' Bats. Day one of the division series is in the books. The final game just wrapped up. I am joined, as always, by Alex Curry. And Alex, full day of baseball, full slate. It's the one day we're going to get that because uh -huh. day two is two days, two games, and then the next day is two. Today, we had all four going, and it was just a lot of baseball and a lot of fun. I mean, we had 12-plus hours of baseball coverage yeah. today. Which was beautiful, but we got to start with the biggest story of the day. Yeah. Right? Because three of the four home teams, which were the higher seeds, lost game one. Were you surprised? <laughs> surprised that three of, three of the four, sure. Yeah. But I feel like I have been, look, these, all these teams we're talking about. Yeah. The higher seeds all had buys, right? So we're talking Five about days. teams that we're going on almost a week of not playing. And I've been yelling from the rooftops for years that that's not a good thing no. in baseball. And teams are going to have to learn how to do this and have to, how to deal with it and how to adapt. I talked to John Smoltz about it on uh, a recent Saturday episode. And he said, like, look, these are the rules now. Teams are going to just yeah. have to figure out how to do it. Um, so... The bye is tough to deal with. And in baseball, you're playing 162 games, and you never have five days off in a row. No. It doesn't happen. And now all of a sudden, right before your biggest game of the year, it happens, and then you find yourself going up against a team that's riding on a high, coming off a big series win and popping bottles in the locker room. Buys aren't a good thing. No. Alex, I have been anti-bye in baseball since before the bye was even a thing. I go back to 2006, the Detroit Tigers. They sweep the Oakland A's in the ALCS, and then they have five off days because they swept, and then it was a while before the World Series. Guess what? They get their butts kicked by the St. Louis Cardinals, who they were a better team then. Then in 2012, they sweep the New York Yankees, the Tigers do. Yeah. Guess what that means? Another essential buy before your biggest games of the year. You come out flat. They lose to the Giants in that World Series. So... Teams are going to have to figure out how to adapt. And you mentioned it today, three of the four higher seeds. You had the Orioles lose. You had yeah. the Braves lose. You had the Dodgers lose. The Astros were the only one that figured out and have done it multiple years in a row now, have figured out how to not come out flat. Why? Because, Alex, the Astros are inevitable. Remember that. <laughs> That's your reasoning? Just because they're inevitable? You can't prove to me that the Astros won't make it to another ALCS for every year for the rest of my life. We're on the cusp of seven in a row. Are you kidding me? That's like one of the greatest feats ever in sport. That's crazy. Craziness. All right. Well, but yeah, teams I think have to figure it out. They, they do. do. Uh, the most concerning, 
lost today was the best team in baseball all season. The Phillies came into Atlanta and shut out the Braves. It was actually their first home shutout loss all season and their first since August of 2022. So do you think the Braves can turn this around and come back? Or are you worried about the Braves losing to the Phillies? Well, let's just, let's look at the the big picture here. Yeah. Right? And I, specifically with this series, and, and this holds true for all of them, uh, all of the series going on now with the DS and the, and uh, the ALDS and the NLDS. But specifically with this one, I was saying, if you're the Phillies, you got to do it again. Do exactly what you did last year. Go on the road where you're going to be underdogs and just find a way to yeah. win one of the two. Mm-hmm. If you can win one of those two games on the road and then take the series back home, all the momentum goes into your favor. And guess what? Since 2000, mm-hmm. the road team that wins the first game of a series is 13 in a five-game series now. Yeah. Is 13 and 7 to win that series. That's 65%. And now we're not just talking, it's the lower seed, right? Yeah. Like the, the higher seed is better. If that road team who's theoretically the worst team can win the first game of the series, it all shifts. 65% chance you win the series. And if it's game two you win, it's even a little bit higher. 68%, 15 and 7 since 2000. So win one of those two on the road, all the momentum shifts to you, and that's what the Phillies mm-hmm. found a way to do again. They did it last year, the exact same situation. Game one, they stole it, and we all know the series never even got back to Atlanta. Uh-huh. The Braves lost that series in Philadelphia, and we all know the Phillies went on to win the NL pennant. So my, I, I am extremely worried yeah. about the Atlanta Braves. Do I think they can come back and win the series? Sure, of course they can. But now, all of a sudden, you're the one seed in the National League. You've had the best team in baseball the majority of the season. And all of a sudden, you're faced with these statistics that say the odds are you're going to lose this series now yeah. because you let a team steal one from, from your home. Now the odds are against you. I'm very worried about this Braves team. They did not look good. It's the first time getting shut out at home since 2022, August of yeah. 2022. And now the biggest game of the season so far for them. And guess what? They lay an egg at home, change their lineup all around. Austin Riley was hitting in a spot in the lineup he hadn't all year. I don't, I don't know what we saw from the Braves, but they got to figure it out. Now the Phillies are feeling great uh-huh. about themselves as they have one more on the road, which if you can win that one, then you're really in the driver's seat. Then you go back home with a chance to do what you did last year and win the series before it even goes back to Atlanta. Now, I'll say it again. The fighting Phillies are the most dangerous team in the postseason. Ooh. Yep. I said it after the wild card series. You corrected me and you said, oh, coming out of the wild card. I said, no, I, I mean it. I think they're the most dangerous team in the postseason. And Atlanta fans were not happy about that today. And we saw that especially after the catcher's interference call. And they started throwing trash onto the field. My guess was what? It was a trash call. So they were just throwing trash on the field. That the whole catcher's interference situation was wild because yeah. I guess the, the the conversation that ends up coming from it and what I was thinking as I was as I was watching this game because catcher's interference is a reviewable situation mm-hmm. right so you go to review the call and all the camera angles you see at least at first and what everybody in the stadium was seeing was oh my god wait a second now just just to clarify um, bases were loaded 
Uh, 2-0 ball game. Phillies, um, JT Real Muto's at the plate. Sean Murphy, the catcher, obviously. And the umpire called catcher's interference. Mm -hmm. So JT Real Muto goes to first base. Run comes in to score. They go to review it. And it looks like, oh, wait a second. It actually never touched, blah, blah, blah. But if you were watching, you can clearly tell. Real Muto knew it immediately. Mm -hmm. Sean Murphy knew it immediately. Yeah. So... The question in my and and yeah, fans ended up throwing trash on the field. This was it was that's ridiculous. I hate that this. Well, it's dangerous that that's too. Thing to do. It's, just, it's, it's it's dangerous. It's inconsiderate. It's just it's bad sportsmanship. Well, yeah, altogether. right. It, that's ridiculous. that yeah. that's even a thing that happens. But it, uh, the thought that came into my head was, and if you, this is just a general conversation about review. Mm-hmm. Let me present this to you, Alex. Okay. This situation, a lot of the angles you saw, like if you re- it it looked like it there was no catcher interference. But if you watch it live, Sean Murphy clearly reacted that he knew it was catcher's interference. Yeah. JT Realmuto knew it was catcher's interference. So what I wonder is if you're a replay and you mm-hmm. see these and it's like, well, actually, I don't think it touched. Well, because there but, has to be the, the but, reasonable. But let's say that there, you know, okay, I agree. But it, there kind of was reasonable when you look at it of, okay, well, maybe to it didn't overturn it? Yeah. But then you see yeah. the reaction. Could you actually not overturn a call on the field because you see the reaction from the players? I think, I, I think that's what happened. But it was catcher's interference. Sean Murphy said after the game, yeah. like, I didn't feel it. I could hear it. Yeah. And everybody heard it involved, and that's why there was catcher's interference. And, like, slow-mo. We even watched the, the video a couple times over you and over again. You can tell. It was extremely, like— it was so minuscule. It was very tight. It was very close. But, I mean, the dead giveaway were, were the reactions. Yeah. The players involved knew that it happened. And when they you have that reactive, like, throwing the like glove down, like, hitting the ground, like that, yeah, you, you clearly catches just, interference and a run came in to score. I just envisioned people sitting in the replay center like, ah, well, look at that reaction. Yeah, yeah. Just, just stick with it. Yeah. But the main takeaway, stop throwing uh, shit on the field. Why are we doing yeah, that? Yeah, don't stop do that. that. that, that not cool. Now, yeah. we saw... Two pretty cool, a cool moment today. We had two future first ballot Hall of Famers starting on the mound today. <laughs> two completely different outcomes, but let's start with your brother, Justin Verlander. Lights out today. He has now had three incredible starts in a row for this Astros team. Yeah, he's at 19 innings in a row and the biggest three games of the year for yeah. the Astros where he's given up one run in his last 19 innings and struck out 19 guys in that span. Uh, uh, again today, just nasty out there for the Astros in game one of the playoffs. I will say, I, and I, I talked to him after the game about this, it was really cool to see him struggle in the first couple of innings mm-hmm. and get out of it, not, not giving up any runs, but he clearly wasn't himself, and then figured it out. Yeah. And his off-speed stuff today was some of the best off-speed stuff I've seen from him in a long, long time. And a huge start for him. Ends up pitching deeper into the game. Uh, gets through six innings and, and was taken out there. His ninth win in the division series, which is the most of all time. 236 strikeouts now in the postseason. Woo! Which is the most of all time. Justin has the most postseason strikeouts in the history of baseball. Well, That's it's just really crazy cool. how great and how high of a level he's pitching at at this point in his career, and he's 40 years old. Yeah. Like, that is that is unheard of. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, yes. And, uh, you know, he wants to continue to pitch until, I mean, he's, he he's can. thrown the number he can, 45 he can't tell out him there. not to. 
Right, absolutely. So really good start for him. Ends up getting taken out after 93 pitches after six innings. And look, I, this is a, another point that I was thinking about throughout the game. And I know in hindsight, we can look and say, well, it shouldn't have taken him out, end up giving, four run, giving up four runs the very next inning. Now, the Astros did end up winning the game. Um, so, and, and Justin got the win here, but he came out throwing six innings, giving up zero runs. It was a 5 nothing ball game when he came out. But it was the question after 93 pitches is like, is he going to go back out for the seventh? And that answer ended up being no. And then they give up, four, Hector Neris gives up four runs that very next inning, and it's a 5-4 ball game. And there was, a, you know, Justin in the dugout, you could see him say, like, are you sure about me being done? Yeah. And I, this is where I start to, I don't want to say have a problem. In hindsight, so easy to discuss this, but let him go. You know, like, we're not talking like a Bobby Miller, young guy, first postseason, features yeah. all in front of him. Justin's legacy is there, right? He's done everything. Mm-hmm. He's, he's 40 years old. And he's, he was getting better throughout that game. And I, I don't want to say, like, let him go as long as he can because he's old. Like, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, look, what, why are you taking him out? What He wants to keep going. He was getting better and better and better. He's not on this innings limit. He didn't pitch the first month of the season. Just, I, I, I struggled with the decision at the time. Like, why is he coming out of this game? I, I don't really have concerns with the Astros' bullpen typically. Yeah. But... I just, I felt like it was the wrong decision. You got your guy, you have your veteran, your game one starter. He's getting better throughout the game. And then you take him out because the little clicker says he's at 93 pitches. Well, his arm's telling you he's getting better and better and better throughout the game. And sometimes that's what this game is all about is having the feel as a manager. And I do believe Dusty Baker has a lot more feel than a lot of these managers that are analytical driven these days. Yeah. I just felt like Dusty pulled the trigger a little too soon. And maybe felt like the game was a little more in control and that Justin gave him six strong and good to go. We're going to go to the bullpen. Well, all hell broke loose right after that. Yep. Let your guy go. Let him go. Well, the good news for the Astros is they ended up winning this one. Six to four. And they were the only home team top seed that didn't lose game one at home today. So you got to look at the positives there. Great outing for Justin. Got the win. Astros got the win. But let's talk about the other future Hall of Famer that was on the mound. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Clayton Kershaw, absolutely brutal outing. He couldn't even get out of the first inning. Had a 162 ERA, which is the worst. I, I think it was the worst outing of his career. Oh, this was the it was the worst outing of Clayton Kershaw's career today. Yeah, is he's never not gotten out of the first inning in a start. Mm-hmm. 162 ERA. It's the highest he's ever had for a game. 162 was his ERA. Um, not a single strikeout. It's the first time that's ever happened. Um, I really struggle with this. I struggle to I struggle to get it. I don't love like narratives. 
I, I think sometimes we overblow this narrative thing. Clayton Kershaw is one of the best to ever do it. Okay, but so you're— the, the narrative— Like thinking like you're having him start game one because of who he is rather than where he's at no, right now in no, his career? No, no, no. I, I think—I don't think—I don't have any problem with the decision to start him game one. I'm just saying I, I, I don't like narratives of like Clayton Kershaw's not good in the postseason. I think that's oh, such a big— okay. That's such like a Clayton Kershaw is one of the best to ever do it, but I so I struggle with the why, and I I can't figure out that answer, and I I constantly find myself defending him. The first thing I ever did for Fox Sports was the World Series watch party with the Rays and the and the Dodgers, mm-hmm. and he had a really good start in that World Series, and I defended him saying like this is this narrative is ridiculous. He's one of the best to ever do it. And I, I just, I, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Now you look up and he has this start and his postseason career ERA is 4.50 now. And I just, I, I, I hate saying it. Um, obviously, he's at a different phase in his, in his career right now and he's been dealing with arm injuries and, and this year has been dealing with injuries and he's getting older and he's, you know, throwing upper 80s right now and everything that he does plays better when he's low to low 90s. Um, but yeah, after the game today, he just said it's disappointing, it's embarrassing, no excuses. And I, so I, it's to the point where you can't not acknowledge the playoff struggles he's had. You can't. But I, I don't get it. Is it a, is it a, is it a, is it a mentality thing? What could it possibly be? Because you look at the broad picture of his career, absolutely one of the greatest to ever do it. Yeah, and then the second that calendar turns to October, more often than not, it's not the same guy that we've seen over the course of his career. No, and we saw it here tonight—the worst start of his entire career. Gave up five hits and five runs before recording a single out. First time by ever. a pitcher in postseason, in postseason history. history. That has never happened. Five hits, five runs before recording a single out. That's never happened. I don't. I don't get it. Um, but yeah, a real struggle for, for Clayton Kershaw and the worst start of his career. And uh, yeah, he said it himself. Disappointed, it's embarrassing, and there's no excuses. What's next for Kershaw in his career? I think that's because a- after an outing like this, I mean, this can't... <laughs> this can't, this can't you- be the end of the road. Right, though? Like, I, that- I, it can't be, not... Not after an outing like this. You I can't go out like I that. I want to agree. Like, that becomes the question, though, yeah. after a start like this is, let's say the D-backs beat the Dodgers. Okay? Then, is Kershaw's obviously not getting another start this year, most likely. I mean, he could start later in this series, but could this be the last start for him? I, I, I struggle to think internally that, he, that his career would end like this, but he's clearly dealing with arm stuff, Alex. It is, Something. His health isn't there. Oh, uh, there was a, we had a tweet up where Dave Roberts said, quote, his health was fine and he would pitch a game four. I don't believe it. You don't believe it? No, he's not, okay. he's not himself. I mean, look, you just use the eye test. Yeah. Like, sure, physically he might say his arm feels okay, but yeah. something's, something's off. Yeah, he's not the... Um, he's not the the Kershaw that got him to the point where you would call him a first ballot Hall of Famer. Well, that is not, that is we are not seeing that Kershaw. I I, I don't think this is the same Kershaw we saw at the beginning of the season. I think he's, I I don't think he's a hundred percent physically. I just don't, I don't care. 
Dave Roberts is saying that to the media, and I'm sure Kershaw feels fine and good enough yeah. to go pitch, but I don't think he's as healthy as he was at the beginning of the year. Just watch him. Watch yeah. his last few starts. It's not, something's off with Kershaw. So what, what, what's to come? I don't know. I really do struggle to think if the Dodgers don't win a World Series, or, or, or th- this can't be his last start. But because of the, the ailments that he's come up with, I do think he's close. I think retirement is close. I think if the Dodgers go on to win the World Series, this is yeah. probably it for Clayton Kershaw. Oh, definitely. But I, but going forward, let's say this is the let's say this is their last series, and he doesn't pitch again, and then the offseason comes around, and the Dodgers sign Shohei Otani, and then Kershaw can play his last year in the same rotation. Well, he's not going to pitch next year, but on the same team as Shohei Otani, and you, you know, like I just I have to imagine he's not going to let this be the end. Mm-hmm. But it, it is a real question of like, I mean, if he was what out. What do you do? You have, he, to, you have to consider it. His body language on the mound, walking off of the field, in the dugout. It just, it felt defeated. And I don't know if you had your volume on, but the call was also extremely brutal. So, like, but, that was like, what? Alex, I don't know if you know. So I, when he was coming off the field, I was genuinely interested in what Bob Costas was going to say. And he kind of let it, he kind of let him have it a little bit by saying like, hey, uh, this Clayton Kershaw, worst postseason start of his career with his same tone he had years ago with the famous call he had with Pedro Strope walking off the mound. And I don't know if you've ever heard this or if any, we need to play this sound because it is the crazy, it almost seems fake after Pedro Strope had a bad outing, comes off the mound, and Bob Costas had to say this. Strope is on his way out, pointing toward the heavens. We can only ask or wonder that he is asking some departed relative for forgiveness for this atrocious performance. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, that's not real life. Not right? That's not real life. <laughs> it's like, uh, that's fake, but it's not. But he had the same tone. The same with, tone with, with Kershaw. Kershaw walking yeah. off of the field. Yeah. Oh. That was um, brutal. Yeah, so I don't know. This might be the final time we ever get, like, Justin and Clayton Kershaw starting on a game one and yeah. in a postseason together. Uh, be- and, and Justin is older, but it definitely seems due to every— like, it just feels, for the last two years, I'd say, it yeah. feels like Kershaw's getting close. A rapid decline. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. but It's not what um, you want to see, but— Sometimes that happens. Once you get that one injury, it's hard to kind of recover and come back and be what you once were. Yeah. So, but like you said at the very beginning, two mm-hmm. polar opposite starts for two first yeah. ballot Hall of Famers. Justin was fantastic today. The Astros winning game one at home, um, which they've just been dominant at home in the postseason since 2017. Yeah. 12 and 0 at home at Minute Maid in the LDS round, in the ALDS. They dominate at home. Uh, they in the playoffs. They struggled at home. It was really weird. They struggled at home this year, all year long. But come October, what did, what did you say? Astros are just inevitable. The Astros. Is that, is that are what you said off inevitable. the top of the show? The Astros. Listen to me closely. Uh huh. The Astros yeah. are inevitable. Uh, all Six right. ALCSs yeah, in a okay, row. Alex. Okay. Oh no! You had me say it again. You can't cut me off when I say I, it. When I you know, had me say I, I didn't it, need you that did stuff. All right. Well, let's move on to the third home team that lost today. Rangers take Game One in Baltimore, and you said the lower teams just need to steal one game on the road. You've you've continuously said that to have a chance to win this series. 
Rangers were one of the three teams that did that. I, you know, this is it's so important for for everything I said earlier with the Phillies perspective, winning yeah. game one or game two. Uh, the Rangers going on the road to the number one seed in the American League and winning the first game of that series. Look, if you don't win one of those first two games, this is just the nature of having a five-game series, right? Yeah. And the way it's set up, it's 2-2-1. Two, two, so, again, if you can steal one of those first two, all the momentum and the odds swing into your favor. If you can't, if you do not win one of those first two games and you go back home 0 and 2 since 2000 those teams are 0 or 3 and 29. Oof. 9% Oof. if you lose those first two games. So Oof. for the Rangers to go into Baltimore, it was vital to yeah. win one of the first two games. They were able to do that. They win game 1 of the series on the road at the number 1 seed. Camden Yards looked incredible. Incredible yes, did. to go yes, in there did. after what they did in Tampa. I've been super impressed with the Rangers' uh, ability to win on the road against some very good teams early in these playoffs. They've won three very impressive games and haven't even sniffed a home game yet. No. And they still got another one on the road before they head back home. Uh, this was huge for them. They did really well. They pitched well for a lot of the game. Uh, bullpen wavered. Bend but don't break is the definition of the, the Texas <laughs> Rangers' bullpen. They end up taking this one 3-2 to two in game one of the ALDS against the Orioles. I mean, the Orioles were the number one seed in the American League. Are. They, they did are. not look like that today. Why? I, I think it's a factor, a, a couple different things. One, ton of inexperience on that team. Um, very young. Yeah. The situation is something that you can't really prepare for. And... I was listening to the uh, our pregame show, the Fox pregame show. With, you know, Poppy and, and Jeter, A Rod and Burkhart were talking about this for a while today, and, and Poppy and Jeter were both saying like, it's just different, and you can't you can't really plan for it. Yeah. You can't get too hyped up on it. It's easy to do more. The reason you are where you are is because of what you did for the regular season. So continue to do that. But for these young guys, you get there, you see the crowd. You see the towels for the first time all year. Yeah. The place is going nuts for every single thing. A two a two strike count with nobody out in the first inning and the crowd's yeah. acting like like you've never seen before if you're a rookie. Yeah. All of a sudden you start playing tight, right? It's yeah. natural. It's it, it is. It's natural and okay. until you experience it, you can't really you can't replicate it or you can't go through it. So now they have experienced it. So I do think I think they were a little tight. Okay. I also think they, um, I think they ruined a bunch of their chances late in the game. I think oh, yeah. seven, eighth, and ninth inning, they had chances in all of those, specifically for me in the eighth and the ninth. In the eighth inning against Aroldis Chapman, he comes in the game throwing all sliders and missing the strike zone by a lot. The second I saw him throw two sliders for balls, my head goes to, and this is where my head goes to as a hitter when I'm in the yeah. box, right? If a pitcher comes in out of the bullpen that you know is a bit erratic, and he comes in and misses with two sliders immediately. To me, that says he didn't have his command in the bullpen, especially with his fastball. Mm-hmm. So he's scared to he's scared to even throw it. He knows he's nowhere close with it. Missed with two sliders, missed with two fastballs. He was all over the place. So that guy gets on base. Then it happens again. Two guys get on base. Aroldis Chapman is nowhere near the strike zone. And this is a thing with Chapman, right? He's either on or really off. Then all of a sudden, next batter comes up. Very aggressively, 
Swings early in a count, grounds out to the left side, double play, ball. Chapman strikes out a guy after that, though still a little erratic, and gets out of it. Next thing you know, you completely let him off the hook. Yeah. When in my opinion, if I'm that batter, I see what's happened in front of me. I make him, I, I make him throw three strikes. Yeah. I, I make him get in the strike zone, especially at least for one strike. Then I hunt my pitch, and there was none of that happening. They just got really aggressive. And then in the ninth inning, uh, huge, huge base running mistake. Um, yeah, that was. Gunnar Henderson gets on base, uh, nobody out, line drive to right field, and then he gets thrown out stealing. Mm-hmm. And it just, uh, I don't know. I, I struggled with, uh, with understanding it, but then I, I noticed when he was doing it that he peaked. And if you're watching, you can see it now. <clears throat> he peaks home. So to me, that's, that's not a straight steal, yeah. right? So he thinks something is on, and that's what we found out after the game. He thought something was on. Ends up getting thrown out at second base. Thought a hit and run was on. Missed a sign. You can't be missing signs in game 163 of the season. That's what the Orioles did wrong today. Now, you mentioned this off the top of the show. 65% of the time, <coughs> when a road team wins game one, they go on to win the series. Yep. So this means, based on the history, only one home team will come back and win the series. Which of the higher seeds that lost today do you think can come back and win the series? Isn't that crazy? Statistically. Yeah. For history, since 2000. Only one of the higher seeds is going to come back and win. Obviously, all three could, right? Yeah. Or none could. I'm going to take the Dodgers. Okay. I think the Dodgers come back and win this series against the D-backs. I think they're, a, I think they're currently a far superior team. I yep. know tonight fell off the rails quickly. Yeah. Throw this one out if you're the Dodgers. Yeah. The game was over before half the stadium packed in. Yeah. That's just what happened. Kershaw didn't <laughs> it have it. It was over like, before the first out. <laughs> it was yeah. over before the first out tonight. It was it w- brutal. It was legitimately over before the parking lot was even able to park and get yeah. in the stadium. So count that one out. Done. They'll be back. They're the better team. They'll bounce back and be just fine. I'll take the Dodgers here to be the team. If I had to pick one of the three, I'll say the Dodgers. <laughs> brutal. Yeah. That, that's meaning, meaning that the, the Braves would lose to the Phillies, which is a big one. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. I mean, they you all obviously one? could. I know. I know. But you asked me a question. I, this is going I'm, off I'm of answering. statistics, history, analytics, all that jazz. Yeah. Okay. Let's wrap up the show with our top three players of the day. Yep. Let's start with number three, Tommy Pham. Fantastic game for Tommy Pham. A lot of offense in that game. Yeah. A lot of it coming from Tommy Pham, who went four for five on the night, hit a homer down the right field line. Uh, almost had Corbin Carroll. Corbin Carroll hit a ball halfway up the bleachers in right field there. Yeah. But Tommy Pham, number three for me. Number two, your brother, Justin Verlander. Yeah. Talked all about him earlier. Justin was great. Six innings. Should have gone back out for the seventh, but didn't. Uh, not because of his choosing, but Justin yeah. was great. Uh, has been. For three starts in a row, as I mentioned. 19 straight innings with only one run given up. 19 strikeouts there. But this one being the biggest of them all, dominant start. And number one, the home run man, Jordan Alvarez. Jordan dominated and continues to dominate in the postseason. Two homers tonight or today. Yeah. Three RBIs there. One off the foul pole. Jordan was incredible. Um, it just feels like in the postseason he flips another switch. And yeah. also. 
PSA to everybody out there, stop bringing in left-handed pitchers just to face Jordan. <laughs> it doesn't work. I, I mean, or do it so we can continue to hit. He loves well, yeah. it. Doesn't matter. It doesn't work. Doesn't matter. Stop doing it's it. It's going to hit anything. So Tommy Pham, Justin Verlander, Jordan Alvarez, my top three players of the day. What a fun day. What a fun day. Yeah. 12 hours of baseball, and now we're going to get two tomorrow. We get two tomorrow. Uh, Astros, Astros twins are the... One? No, they're the later game. The later game. So Texas Orioles, the one o'clock Pacific game. Yeah. Yeah. And then twins Astros. Yes. Yep. The so later game. We will see. We will see what happens tomorrow. We will not be live after tomorrow's game. We will be back live after the Monday games. So enjoy all the games tomorrow, everyone. The ALDSs continue tomorrow. But that does it for day one of the division series. Four games today, 12 hours of baseball. A lot of drama mixed in there. Today was a good day of baseball. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever. We're also on all social media, including YouTube, where you can watch every single thing we do at Flippin' Bats Pod for all of them. But until Monday, my friends, this has been another episode of Flippin' Bats. Peace.